I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Show. If you're new to these parts, subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash techcentral. And while you're doing it, why not subscribe to our newsletter at newsletter at newsletter at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter and get the latest local and international tech news. And these interviews delivered to your inbox at 5 a.m. every morning. Now, pleased to welcome our first ever guest from MTN on the show. Quintus de Beer is head of wholesale at MTN South Africa, and he's got big plans to turn the company into the biggest player in the wholesale telecoms solution market in South Africa. Quintus, good to see you. Thanks for making the time. Thank you very much. Thanks for, for inviting us. What does uh, the wholesale division of a telco do typically? Take us through your day-to-day <laughs> -day work. Uh, look, I think fundamentally we are there to basically monetize the network. Mm -hmm. um, there's big investments that go into the network and we need to find ways to monetize it. So we basically specialize dealing with wholesale partners. So that effectively is people that take our wholesale product and convert it into retail products. So mm -hmm. they have their own brand, their own pricing, their own marketing, their own everything. So we're not prescriptive in terms of what they do there and we monetize it. We monetize it at different levels. So you obviously we have the what people now know as the MVNO business. We do national roaming, so that's the likes of Celsi and, 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 and Telcom. Mm -hmm. Then we've got fixed services in there, which is less known, but we do offer some FTTH product in there on the wholesale side. And then we've got a division which looks after what we call carrier services. Mm -hmm. So that's interconnect. So that's when you start to interconnect between ourselves and Vodacom. So when you make a call to the Vodacom network from MTN, we depart in the middle that helps with the commercials and the technical integration. Okay. There must be quite a bit of complexity in that integration between the operators. What's involved? Uh, a couple of things. I think on the one side, we have to deal with regulations. So the interconnect business is very regulated. Mm -hmm. And then on the technology side, there is currently SS7-based technologies that's available. That Well, that's what existed before. Mm -hmm. But now people are moving more and more into IP business. So now you have to start to integrate on an IP level to improve efficiencies and also the products and services that can be offered. Now, I know historically Vodacom and MTN as the two market leaders in South Africa have been a bit reluctant to offer wholesale services. Historically, um, CellC was the only player in the market for many years with uh, MVNO enablement services, and they carried Virgin, Virgin Mobile, of course, for many years and other um, operators on, or other MVNOs on their network. Uh, but there was a shift in the market a few years ago, and I think MTN was probably first out of the starting gates um, uh, in, in the race between, certainly between MTN and Vodacom in offering these sort of wholesale services, but what triggered it? Why did you decide um, historically not to offer MVNO enablement services to, to now this being a key part of your strategy? Look, I think previously there were some questions mark, question marks around commercial viability. Mm -hmm. It's always a challenge because you can think of an MVNO as a business like any other business. You need distribution, you need payment methods, you need somebody that understands telco and can convert that product. So we were always nervous about that. What we realized over a period of time was that the market is maturing, there is opportunities opening up, and technology makes things cheaper as well for people to start to integrate into the network. Then we said, well, at that point in time, let's consolidate the business. We create a standalone business unit to take care of that. And from a group perspective as well, there was a guidance that we need to understand what else we can do to monetize network assets, okay. not just through the retail arms. So effectively what we've done now is created this, this business unit and then we had to look at what propositions we can put together, and MVNO was one of the natural choices. Mm -hmm. There's various flavors of how you can implement MVNO. So we support a model that worked for us, and I think works very well for the partners that have elected us. Okay. What, what is it, can you give us some flavor of how that model works? 
we effectively try and put as much of the control as possible from a pricing perspective and a proposition perspective into the MVNO hands. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, you would find that you find the reseller model. Yeah. And in a reseller model, effectively, you take a SIM card of the operator. Yeah. You can brand it in whatever branding you want, but the product underneath is still the network operator product. So you are limited in terms of how you want to go to market to an extent, mm -hmm. or at least that's our belief. And what we have done is we've said, we're not giving you those constraints. You can go into the market in any way you want. You find people that only wants to use it for loyalty, mm -hmm. to incentivize people for it. You find people that wants to use it as an enabler. And then you find people that, that actually wants to monetize the product itself. Now you cannot do that if you just have one model in terms of how you can operate. So we believe we've found the right flexibility for people to come to us and build their propositions, large and small organizations. How many MVNOs do you have on your network now? We use a concept that we call a VNO, which is the Virtual Network Operator. There we sit with 30 plus partners as we speak, okay. which is a mix of data only, voice only, messaging only um, customers, and then also a mix. Yeah. Where you have a combination of these services. And each one of them have implemented it differently, pricing it differently, and then try and build a proposition out of that. Okay, okay. So who are some of the bigger players who are on your network? I know you've announced Pick and Pay. Uh, what are some of the other names you've announced publicly at this so stage? you've got TFG. TFG? Yes. Multi-choice. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it's I forgot a, about them, yeah. Mm. Uh, they're quite a big one. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple in the pipeline that we will soon um, be able to disclose once we get past our... Right. In the A stage, um, which I think will also be very exciting for the market, also big brands mm. that will be deploying. What's those are, are the biggest. And then yeah. you've got people like Afrios, Access, Triple MRF, ISP type. You've got all of them as well yeah. in there. Mm -hmm. You would see um, Afrios has also now started with them. We know voice and data services right. and data only and fiber services. So mm -hmm. that whole bouquet is what we can offer at this point in time. Right, right. So, so interesting times in this uh, in this market. Uh, how, how do you how do you measure as MTN your success in the space? You say you want to be the number one wholesale provider in this market by twenty twenty five. How do you measure that? Is it based on the number of um, virtual customers uh, on MVNOs who happen to be on your network? Is it the number of MVNOs that have signed up with you? How do you measure success? Look, I think it's a it's a it's a healthy debate even still today in MTN. Okay. Typically, any retail business is measured on the number of subscribers and the ARPUs and everything else that comes with it. Mm. The discussion we had internally in our organization is one that says, well, if somebody uses this for loyalty-based services, then your ARPU there will be extremely small, if yeah. at all, Yeah. versus somebody that actually monetizes it and get to a bigger number. So for us, it's a revenue share, mm -hmm. in short. Okay. Um, we... Subscribers is obviously important for certain reasons, but that's not our primary driver. It's about the value we can extract because eventually we monetize the network. Mm. Do you insist on a, a, a floor for pricing with your partners in the MVNO space, to, so that there isn't, uh, so that your your guys, these guys don't come in and effectively compete with you on price and drive the whole market lower? Um, is there a, is that something that you look at with them? Is that something you can? Look, Look uh, I think you must also understand that we sit in a, in a highly regulated market. Yeah. And then you also have competition law that you need to contend with. Mm. And in competition law, there's two key concepts that we always have to keep in, in mind. The one is predatory pricing, mm -hmm. and the other one is margin squeeze. Right. So whenever we look at pricing, we need to make sure that there's 
enough margin in, in there for the wholesale partner to also have a sustainable business, mm -hmm. but not at the level that you completely, I would say, would just dump the whole market and eventually they go bankrupt in any case because they cannot afford to offer those services. Yeah. And what you tend to find, as you will see, in a lot of the guys that really just play the price game, they soon disappear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just a price game, it's a value proposition that you put on top of it that actually makes the difference. Mm -hmm. So if one of the MVNOs on your network suddenly slashes the price of calls to one cent a minute, etc., um, you, you'd, you'd um, have a conversation with them to ensure that the market no, isn't… Not, not really, because no. they are independent businesses. Right. And you do find, I think, all the different marketing techniques, which is loss leaders, mm -hmm. just having a shout in the market where you in one price point, but that's not actually what you are selling. Right. There's some people who launched uncapped at two or three thousand rands a month. It sounded great, but mm -hmm. it was actually very expensive. Mm -hmm. So one need to be very careful in the market about these shout outs in terms of headline tariffs. Right. You really need to look at the basket completely to understand. And then eventually these guys run a distribution business. They've got people to pay. They've got call centers to run. So you can only sustain that for a very s short period of time and then they fall, fall out of the market. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit about your relationship with Celsi and uh, Telcom. Um, both of those operators roam on your network mm -hmm. in some sort of capacities. Uh, how, how, does, how, does the, how do those roaming agreements differ to the MVNO arrangements that you have with other players in the market? Are they quite similar in nature? Look, I think if you generalize it to the, to, the, to the greatest extent, they take capacity off the network. Right. But where the subtle difference is specifically for the roaming arrangements mm -hmm. is you actually have people that contract you and say, I want a slice of your network. Mm -hmm. And what we then create is a virtual partition and we allow them in to operate in that slice. So we can't see what's happening inside of that slice. We just know there's traffic being consumed. It's all theirs. It's all theirs. Mm -hmm. And they can use that traffic and in that, they can obviously then repackage and, and, and sell back into the market. So it's almost if you want to have an analogy, it's like if you have a supplier of a, a tower mm -hmm. and a radio equipment, it could be anybody. It could have been a Huawei, a ZTE, Ericsson, anybody else. Um, we're in a similar position now. The only difference is they don't want to talk to the guy that supplies electricity, that does the maintenance and the security. They come to us and they get a one-stop shop and there's one bill instead of... Mm. 50 bills and all the admin that sits behind it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you think we're going to see more operators coming into this market on this basis of roaming? Um, or do you think that South Africa is a very mature market from a mobile perspective? Look, I, I think there will be more of it. Yeah. I think the, from a regulatory perspective, there is some challenges that we need to, that we need to overcome, I think, as a, as a country. Yeah. But it makes absolutely sense to, to try and share infrastructure where you can. Um, to offer better services into the market. I mean, you've seen all the, the commentary around vandalism, mm. our electricity is impacting the networks, and those things cost a, a hell of a lot of money. So especially for the smaller operators, it becomes almost impossible to maintain their own networks yeah. if you can't share that cost to some, to, to some extent. Mm -hmm. We've seen uh, CLC getting out of the market. They no longer operate or they're busy excreting themselves from operating their own radio access network. Uh, Telcom still has its own infrastructure, and of course, there's Vodacom and MTN. In the longer term, Quintus, who, how many infrastructure players do you think this market can support? <laughs> uh, I guess if you if you ask every every MNO, they will give you a different number. We mm -hmm. think it's two. Mm -hmm. That's our view. So um, there's no space for Telcom to be an infrastructure player in mobile in this country. Well, I think eventually, yeah, they will run out of money to 
sustain this thing. Yeah. But again, that's my view. Okay. They will have a view that says there can be at least three. Mm-hmm. We think it eventually will boil down to two just because of the cost that is associated with it and the management that, that is required behind it. Right, right. And, and how long do you think that shakeout of the market <laughs> is going to take? That depends. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I think it's a five, ten year kind of thing that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when you start to look at the 5G technologies and what you can do with it, you will start to see all kinds of new players coming in yeah. into the market that want that little slice on the network that they can sell to other people. So you might actually find some new players coming into the market that we've never seen before that will also start to offer telco services, but in this virtualized world. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that will create the third the third infrastructure player <laughs> to also be viable. Right. But our right. view still is we'll end up with two. With two, two main players in infrastructure. So, Quintus, there's been a lot of activity in the MVNO market. Uh, for many years, there was only one player in the market in the form of Virgin Mobile, which, uh, as you know, um, worked through, Cell C was the network on which they operated. And Celsi, subsequent to that, launched, many years later, launched a lot more MVNOs onto its network. Now all the networks are opening up, um, whether because they were required to buy a CASA in the Spectrum auction or, or doing it of their own volition, which it sounds like in MTN's case, you're seeing it as a, as a business opportunity. Um, but there have been a lot of MVNOs launched just in the last couple of years. Uh, all the banks seem to be heading in that direction, retailers, you name it. There's mm. ret- uh, across the board, there's MVNOs being launched. Um, where does this all end up? Is this market going to become overtraded? What lessons can we learn from markets like the UK where there was a boom in MVNOs at some point years ago? Um, and are we going to see a similar sort of trajectory in South Africa where perhaps there's consolidation and some MVNOs leaving the market? How, how, what are the experiences you've seen in other markets tell us about what's going to happen locally? Now, look, I think that's the reality. I think the, the issue is for an MVNO, it's about your value proposition and in the price at which you can offer it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people that is only going to try and play the price game is not going to survive in the market. If you look at an international level, the people that really survived had a proper value proposition, either customer experience, a digital journey, or specific unique content, mm-hmm. or linked to any loyalty programs that they, can, that they can operate in. So yes, you will find a couple of them coming into the market. And unfortunately, you will find um, a number of them that may not survive. So you will find some consolidation. And I think eventually you will find that even on the MVNO level, mm. you will find what we call aggregators that will have a platform and they will put all these small guys on, but it will be one wholesale, sub-wholesale entity mm-hmm. that will allow very small guys to come in and do a 10 or 20,000 some kind of right. base and still successfully manage it because they share the overall cost as a, as a, from an aggregator perspective. Right. Okay. So, we're so you'll, find, you'll find these little little businesses sitting in there, but there will be consolidation eventually. The question is just when. Right. And we've actually seen some of these enablement businesses in the local market already. I think, uh, I forget his name now, but the chap who used to run Virgin Mobile heads one up. Yeah. Um, um, huge, huge group, yeah. Yeah, a huge Tys, group. Tysis, yeah. Tys, Tys, I think. Yeah, they, they're doing some interesting work, huge group in the yeah. space, actually. Are, are you working with them at all? Yes. You are? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can yeah, you elaborate on that in terms of what you're doing? Well, not on a platform level, but they are an MVRO of us. Okay. So they are supplying in one of these two of their subsidiaries, there's data services as right. well as voice services that they're offering. Okay. The platform side is something that they've gone down the path. We've got a couple of enablers, as you've mentioned. Um, you've got the MVNX, MVNEs of the world. Then you just stepped into the market. And then you would see with um, Afrios and these guys, mm-hmm. they bring in their own platforms. Mm-hmm. So we allow a model where you can have your own platforms or you can come through a third party, come into our network okay. as well. 
So it's almost if you and you approach MTN to do this as a, a checkbox of things you want to do, and you work out the pricing and packages around based on what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so so how how big is this market going to get? I know BMIT uh, put out some research some some time ago where I think they said ultimately this market is going to grow to I think they said twelve percent of the market in in five years. I forget the exact details. I think I think that's right. Five years and twelve percent of the total subscribers will be with MVNOs. Is that more or less your prediction as well, or do you think the market could get bigger than that? Look, I think what 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 might make South Africa just a bit more of a challenge is the economic environment. Mm. So I think that is something that, that you always have to consider. MVNOs need funding to survive, yeah. um, to get especially their startup phase. So I think that will influence the growth factor. Mm. Can it go to 12%? Absolutely. You find the right propositions, you can. I think the other dynamic that you must just be very careful of in South Africa is the multi-simming space. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean if an MVNO comes out and you start to add, add up all the MVNO subscribers and say, well, it's 12%. You might find that only 3% is uniquely on the MVNO, right. and the rest already has a second or a, or a third or even a fourth SIM on another network that they are using. So measure, rather measure it as a percentage of total SIMs rather than a percentage of the population. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it becomes a very difficult conversation. I mean, if you add up all the SIMs in South Africa as active SIMs, you'll realize there's people sitting on three or four SIMs. Yeah, we're over 100 million, I, I believe. Yes. So yeah. the moment you add those numbers up and you put MVNOs in there, yeah. it's just another SIM. And on these smartphones, you now can have two, three, four, five yes. sims. So the multi-simming can actually become even an, even a, a play even a bigger role. Mm. The most successful MVNOs around the world are they? I mean, ARPUs is a very average revenue per user is a very important metric that uh, mobile operators or telecommunications operators generally use. There are probably other industries that use ARPU as well. Um, but uh, typically, um, looking locally and internationally, do MVNOs typically enjoy a higher or a lower ARPU than an MNO? Um, it, it depends on their segment and their market. So if you find somebody that works, that plays in the loyalty game, yeah. you might find it as low as 20 or 25 rand. But then if you go to the higher end where you've got data providers that offers the data services, you can get to two, 300 rands. Right. So it varies quite a bit. So the moment you start to average it out, I guess you will end up eventually at about 80, 90 rands as, a, as an average mm. between all of them. But we have seen big differences in terms of pricing depending on the niche that they actually are, are, are targeting. Targeting, right, okay. Uh, so is, is there a particular s- industry that tends to be more profitable for, for companies to launch MVNO services, like financial services, for example? Look, I think what, what makes any MVNO successful very early on mm-hmm. is you already have a, a client brand. base somewhere. Oh, right. And a brand. And a brand. Those two things already start to help you to say, well, immediately I know who to contact and say, well, here's an offer, yeah. and now I integrate the offer in there. The startup guys are the guys that, that, that would struggle because you nobody knows you. You yeah. need to build the brand. Yeah. They don't necessarily trust you, and, and that's where I think where it becomes more difficult for the smaller guys to come in. Mm. So established industry, yes. I think the established industry, however, is still skeptical about it, and they need quite a large investment to start up this MVNO business, and they're mm. not necessarily always telco experts. So they can recruit people, obviously, mm-hmm. But I think that's where the enablement platforms and uh, mm. aggregated platforms will start to play a bigger role where people are uh, saying, I want it, but I don't want all that management. Yes. Because telco management can become quite yeah. quite difficult to do. And there are some startups in this space. Uh, it's not only established brands. Uh, we had Calvin Collett on the show just a couple of weeks ago talking about Mellon Mobile, which, of course, is an MVNO running on MTN's network as well. So there are some uh, some startups trying their hand at this and 
we'll see how successful they are. Yeah. If you've got the right proposition, you've got the right customer experience, there's no reason why you wouldn't succeed. Out of interest, do you consult at all, offer consulting services around MVNOs to companies? So uh, let's say a, a retailer approaches you who doesn't understand the telco space and says to you, um, actually, can you help us how we position this in the market, that sort of thing. Sort of a management consulting service. We want to do an MVNO, but we don't quite know how to position it. Is that sort of advice you provide, or do you do you immediately go to the connectivity discussion and let's sign um, and get this going? Look, I think most of what we have done so far is around the connectivity discussion. Mm-hmm. We have started to build a very multidisciplinary team, and our view is, is that in the next year or two, we will actually go down that path. Right. I think we must just always just be careful when you go into propositions and so on. comes back to the regulations. You need to be careful just how you position products in the market because mm-hmm. you're still under the MTN banner. Mm-hmm. And optically, people can still look at it and say, well, you're manipulating the market and the pricing. So you have to find that balance between the two. But it's definitely something that we are working on for the next year or two to have okay. those services available. Okay. You're making it sound as if the Competition Commission watches this industry like a hawk. Is that, is that true? Are you, are you being watched all the time? Well, I know they had an investigation into the sector, so presumably there is some interest from the Competition Commission in what's happening in the sector. No, there, there's definitely that, mm-hmm. and there's also the the um, broadband work that ICASA was doing recently, um, where effectively they have said, well, in the next three years, they want all the networks to publish their wholesale retail rates right. at quite a granular level. And from that basis, they will then understand if this industry requires further regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they see that there is dubious activity, they will hand it back to the competition commission. So okay. it's definitely there. And I, I think just in general, as a as a good corporate citizen, if you decide to want to make money out of this business, then do it in the right way and do give people a proper chance. There's people's lives and money at stake when you when you when you do these businesses. Yeah. So give them a fair chance to run those businesses. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I wanted to ask about MVNOs and why it's taken so long for them to take off in South Africa. I mean, it, it was. I think they became very popular in the UK um, 20, 10 to 20 years ago, let's yes. just put it like that. And it's been hugely successful in the US as well. And we've seen MVNOs, um, the model working across Europea, Europe and uh, elsewhere in the world. Um, but we, we really do seem to have been behind the curve here in South Africa, and certainly in terms of the number of MVNOs launched. Mm. Why do you think um, South Africa was so slow in embracing the MVNO model? I think part of it was to do with the, the initial cost to establish that business. Mm-hmm. You're taking quite a, a big punt a couple of years ago to, to enter that market, and it was very much voice and SMS driven. Right. I think with the LTE business coming in, and then our 5G and all the other Gs that will come after this, um, it just creates more opportunity. The networks are becoming more software defined, so it does lower the cost um, to, to run this business. So I think it was partially the nervousness around will this work or not. Mm. Our economy is not absolutely first world. Mm-hmm. You have a mix between it. We are a developing economy. So you have to find this recipe that will work for us in the middle. Yes. And to do that, people have to focus one on their core businesses and then say, well, what else can I do to monetize? And I think it's just that life cycle that we had to go through mm-hmm. and the economic factors that was keeping us back um, in the market. Okay. Let's talk a bit about South Sea. They're one of your most important customers. Um, what's your relationship with like, so, like with South Sea and, and how is the, the network transfer project going, coming along? Yeah. Look, uh, again, as I explained maybe earlier, this is that it is a supplier relationship to a large extent. And we're also a customer of this on, on, on the other end as well. So yeah. 
We also use their capacity for our customers and they use our capacity for their customers. Um, so I think at that level, the relationship is, I think, in a, in a, in a good place. Um, it has been tough over the last couple of years with a recap that was taking place and the uncertainty and their business really having to find a way to, to survive. Um, with the recap, they have placed them in a better position to compete. So I think at that level, um, it is good. Mm -hmm. um, I think overall, again, if you, even if you look at beyond that and you look at, 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 at the business that we are doing with them, you're now actually allowing people to stay in the market at a lower cost. Mm -hmm. If they had to compete at our level, I think they've published before their calculations was they would have to spend like 220 billion rand <laughs> to have similar networks than MTN and Vodacom, which on any investment profile you would have never have done. Sure. So what we've actually created is an environment where they can survive yeah. and still compete in, in, in South Africa. Mm -hmm. It seems that the industry, and, and I'm not just talking about the MTN CLC relationship, but, but other deals and arrangements in this industry is there's a lot of um uh what how do i phrase this what's the word uh, um sort of there's a lot of dancing and fancy legwork going on to because of the re regulatory environments you know spectrum trading isn't allowed yet etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a lot of complex deals that we've seen around um, spectrum sharing that have that have emerged in the last little while um, before we wrap today, Quintus, I'd like to just get a view from you on what perhaps ICASA and policymakers in South Africa could be doing to make um, to, 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 to deal with some of these challenges that you're facing. Um, I'm thinking specifically around spectrum trading, but other regulatory interventions that could actually make this market more uh, efficient and competitive. Um, uh, because working, of course, working together with other players in the space isn't necessarily anti-competitive in mm. itself. Um, what are some of the things you'd like to see uh, as MTN change from a regulatory and policy perspective? And I'm particularly looking at this through the wholesale angle yes. uh, to make this market better. Look, I think the first one for us sits around, um, if you want to call it the spectrum space, and giving us more flexibility in order to use spectrum to assist partners. Um, you think about private networks mm -hmm. coming on board. How do you create a private network without spectrum? Mm -hmm. And you want to do it on your own, you can't. So I think the whole issue around spectrum, spectrum trading, pooling, selling, make that a, a, a more predictable model that you don't have to do all of the other hard work to get it done so it becomes transactional. I think the other part that you touch on is the competition commission and the laws in the country. Let us try and create scale. Um, scale is just something that is good for everybody in this, in this industry. I think the last one is kind of a narrative that the government has worked on and that ICASA has started to publish, which is this requirement that you must have an open network for the MVNOs. Yes. I think there's more work that can be done in terms of enterprise development to find ways to actually incentivize businesses to help these small partners to grow. I mean, if you have a little community somewhere out, out in, in the stick somewhere, why not create the ability with some funding to create that last mile connectivity and empower somebody to run a little small business there? Because we think that MVNO has to be this massive national thing. Why not create a smaller view? Mm -hmm. So that integration of the SME market, the job creation market, how do we bring that back into telco as well and enable the, the startups to actually enter the market? Mm -hmm. I mean, the framework is already open. We are an open network. We can do business with everybody. But those, I think, is, is the main things is the funding element, the technology, the understanding. And then how do we get the smaller guys to come in? There's lots of job creation opportunities in it. 
and you can create connected communities in, in, in the rest of South Africa. Fantastic. Great insights. Quintus De Beer is uh, Head of Wholesale for MTN South Africa. Thanks for coming into the studio today. Much appreciated. Thank you very much.